Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Friendly, fair, foraging. Everyone has a story to tell. It's the very reason why we rise each day ready to face the next day's challenge that comes. Whether advocating, striving to advance disability rights, or finding new ways to forge forward in the ever-growing communities that we live in. I am Cache Wells, and these are the reasons why I pursue a seat on the Board of Publications, where my passion and purpose is to engage, educate, and empower others to get involved with ACB. Register now for the 60th ACB Virtual 2021 Conference and Convention, July 16th to the 23rd, featuring an exciting series of speakers, networking events, and learning opportunities with ACB members and conference participants with a variety of ways to enjoy the conference and convention. Featuring 142 breakout sessions, an ACB NBC simulcast, of a fully audio-described presentation of the Olympic opening ceremonies from Tokyo and the first ACB remote virtual elections for leadership and board roles and so much more. To register or find out more about this year's ACB's 2021 conference and convention, visit www.acb.org. ACB is thankful for our diamond-level sponsors, which include Microsoft, J.P. Morgan, Google, Comcast, Vespero, and a special thanks to Verizon Media for their support in promoting this year's ACB convention. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony. A news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affects all of us in and out of the ACB community. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona. I just love hearing those horns. It gets me so pumped and ready for a great show. As you heard before the opening, um, registration for convention ends uh, today, I believe. Today is the last day. So if you have not registered yet, please go to acb.org convention and uh, register now. It is the 60th. We are celebrating 60 years of our amazing American Council of the Blind conventions and advocacy and all the things that make this organization as great as it is. Um, I am very, very pleased to say that my engineer extraordinaire is back this week, Byron. How's it going? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. You guys had a great event with NextGen um, yesterday. We sure did. Yeah, we had. Tell the folks um, because it'll be podcasted very soon. 
Yes, I have the file right here, and I'm going to start working on that um, as soon as Sunday edition is over. We had a, a really good presentation for Saturday Night Live where we talked with um, Joe Urban and Eugene Badke, who are both veterans, and we learned a little bit about what it was like for them to be in the service and what basic training was like, uh, what the food was like, which was a really interesting conversation, and all of the things that they sacrificed to serve our country. And uh, we took questions from uh, listeners who were there. And uh, so it was a great event, and we're looking forward to posting that on our podcast. Yeah. What do you have going on on the Fun Zone tonight? Uh, so I every time the uh, 27th happens uh, during a show, that's Weird Al's lucky number. And so today is Weird Al Day, so we'll be playing uh, clips and songs from Weird Al's career uh, and a bunch of live performances and stuff. So we hope that you'll check out my website, byronlee.com, for uh, today's show, which is Weird Al Day. And if you miss it live, you can always catch it on the podcast. And uh, so many exciting things happening at ACB. The ACB Media Network has officially launched. Byron, did you know? Yes, the ACB Media Network is now launched, and you can check out the website at acbmedia.org. And it's a brand new website, brand new interface, and uh, a brand new structure for all the streams. Uh, and there's a new skill available on your Amazon Echo devices. Hopefully, I didn't wake up any of them with those two keywords. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are my um, ACB announcements for this week, but I will be having Rick Morin, Debbie. Hazelton and Jeff Bishop next week, 4th of July. So that's my uh, contribution to the fireworks, so to speak. We'll be talking all about the media network and some exciting stuff coming down the line. I am very thrilled at the three guests that I have for you guys today. Um, we have some great female participation in leadership in this organization, which is always a good thing. Um, so we have one of our newest employees, Jennifer Flatt. A little bit later on, we'll be talking with um, Kat Shea Wells, and we'll close out the show with Mark Reichert. And so if you're listening now and you want to get in a happy birthday to Mark, he happens to share his birthday with Helen Keller. We celebrate her birthday as well today. Um, but if you want to get a birthday wish into Mark, Look for the Sunday edition links on the various ACB email lists, or you can go to my Facebook page and grab the link there as well. Jennifer, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. So nice to be here. So it's what, a little, like five weeks, six weeks? Six weeks. Six weeks. Congratulations. Tell us the full exact title. For me, I am the communications manager for the American Council of the Blind. Nice. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've done previously that got you here? Oh, um, I've been in marketing and communications for about 20 years. And um, I started off my very first uh, job at, uh, after university was running an ad agency. But truthfully, I was, felt I was too young and too uh, green. Um, so I decided to go back to work. So my second job was actually the social marketing uh, manager of a HIV and AIDS stigma, anti-stigma discrimination campaign with uh, the Canadian Public Health Association, which was my first step into public health and accessibility. So 
Um, I've been all around communications marketing. I worked for um, Privy Council Office that advised the Prime Minister of Canada before moving to the U.S. Um, since being in the U.S., my husband's a professor and that's what brought us here. Um, I've worked for employability, which was working with adults with um, cognitive disabilities. I've worked at a university running their 10, communicate, or 10 campus communications and marketing plans um, to reinvent their brand and go from for-profit to non-profit. Um, and so when I saw the opportunity listed for ACB, it felt like a connection to me through all of my worlds for the last 20 years. And for the first six weeks, I mentioned to Dan and Eric this week that I felt like the honeymoon was over and uh, expectations were running. Um, so I've jumped in with both feet at this point and love seeing things get launched like the ACB Media Network, excited about the convention, excited about our 60 year anniversary and lots to come. Well, speaking of the 60 year anniversary, I will let you announce something that ACB is doing. That's why I pull it at the top of the show. Something about um, sending in videos to celebrate our 60 years. Uh, exactly. Thank you so much for mentioning that. Um, our 60 year anniversary will be July 7th and we will celebrate live, but it will also kick off a year of festivities uh, for our 60th year. And so what I am asking is for those of you who are interested, send me your best stories, send me your best pictures or a video testimonial sharing your experience with ACB um, during your participation or your experience um, at media at acb.org to my attention. And so far I've had about 15 sent to me since Friday when we, uh, when we put the call out and the stories are amazing. I'm really excited to share what we're receiving. Um, we'll make sure that we let you know how we'll be using them. Um, if you do send a picture, I will ask you for a picture release. But really, we want to share your stories and have you tell tell the story of ACB, not me make uh, make a narrative for you. I want to I want to make sure that our members are telling um, our true story about what the difference has been since ABC, ACB was created sixty years ago. We have got some amazing stories in this organization. I mean, everybody that I know has at least one great convention story. I mean, several of us have a great story about being stuck in an elevator with someone or someone and someone's dog that you never knew before. <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds, all kinds of uh, ACB stories out there. So if you've got a good one, please send it to Jennifer and we will be looking forward to that live event on the 7th. Mm -hmm. um, but let's, let's go back a little bit. Let's get to know Jen. Um, so definitely, you, you know, you mentioned that you and your husband moved to the country and you mm -hmm. mentioned Canada. So I'm going to take a wild leap and guess that you were born and raised in Canada. Born and raised in Canada my whole life in the capital city, Ottawa. Um, I went to school at University of Western Ontario in London, Ontario. Um, but I spent most of my life and career in Ottawa. Um, and it's something I never really, I never really expected to leave. Um, Ottawa is about a million people. Uh, it has culturally diverse. Um, I grew up at, in a school system that had over 150 nationalities. Um, and so when I, uh, my husband said, there's an opportunity in Alabama, I thought that sounded like other than Forrest Gump, I didn't know too much about Alabama at the time. I can ignorantly admit, I didn't even know about the football team. Um, <laughs> it, it was a quite a stretch for uh, what our life was and what it was about to become. 
And how long ago did you move? We've been actually, so today is 12 years since I met my husband and uh, we moved uh, almost exactly five years ago. Wow. Well, happy um, day we met anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it had to come up on my phone for either of us to remember, but I appreciate the phone reminders. <laughs> yeah, I, I live and die by my phone reminders now. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, you know, growing up in Canada and um, what it was like when you got to Alabama. Sure. Did you experience a huge culture shock? Yes. Huge, <laughs> massive. Um, I would say so. I'm a one of four children. Um, all of my siblings and my parents uh, still live in Ottawa. So the thought of moving away was major. My husband, on the other hand, is from eight. He has eight siblings and uh, his parents, and they've lived all over. So they, um, he's actually American. Their family moved to the to Canada for a job um and stayed there for about 17 years and so um when he had the opportunity to go do a phd in alabama um, and work with alabama football um he let me know how important that was going to be um and so we jumped at it it was you know a great adventure and although i was only in tuscaloosa um, Alabama for one year. And during that year, I wasn't able to work. So I ended up tutoring some children, um, ages five to 12, um, just to, you know, help contribute, give back and, and stay busy. But uh, I'll be honest, new math is not my expertise. I'm more of a language <laughs> tutor. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he finished his PhD there and then um, was offered a position at Georgia Southern here in Savannah, Georgia. And that is where we're located now. Nice. What does he What does he teach? Uh, health sciences. He um, uh, human physiology and anatomy for strength and conditioning. Nice. Well, he's a former football, football player. He's a he's a big guy. <laughs> Sounds awesome. What was it like growing up in Canada? Pretty good. You know what I learned about the difference of the South is that nothing tries to kill you in Canada like the lakes here do. Um, I <laughs> had to learn to be to not be a lake swimmer here in the South where um, I grew up swimming and hiking and not worrying about even snakes um, much where I grew up. Uh, Ottawa is at the border of Quebec, so I speak French as well. Um, we grew up in a bilingual community and in every position before I uh, entered the US, I, I did my job in both English and French. Um, so definitely the culture of moving to Alabama, the heat was one thing on the day we got married. Um, it was 125 degrees. And <laughs> the Canadians almost died. Um, but we gave them lots of air conditioning and fried green tomatoes and they survived. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so the people in Tuscaloosa were amazing. Some of the, the, the most supportive community, especially in the football world um, that we were lucky to be a part of. Um, and it was, it, th that was different, Ottawa being such a big city. Um, we knew our neighbors and um, I was lucky that my, my schooling growing up was small. So we always knew all of our, um, our peers and their families, um, but not like Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa, you really would see the same people at church, at the farmer's market, and at the football game. It, it was small and tight, very nice. Yeah. So 
you mentioned that today is the anniversary of how you of when you met. Can you share with us a little bit about how you met? And, oh, um, sure. So we were at a wedding. We were on the dance floor. And nice. To uh, Natalie and Greg. So shout out, happy anniversary to them. And um, uh, Andrew is a big guy and he was on the dance floor doing some wild moves. And um, he got down on his knee, kissed my hand and told me it tasted like rainbows. And that is how we met. I, that's... Our, that he, he's got to be he's got to be a character i like that. he's not he's incredibly shy but he had a little liquid courage i think that night so thank goodness for that <laughs> do you remember what song was playing when you noticed i do and notes? it's terrible it was um katie perry's you spin me right round baby right round her knockoff nice <laughs> <laughs> that, that isn't our song we don't claim that one <laughs> well then i have to ask what is your song um nothing's gonna stop us now the 80s hit from mannequin <laughs> mannequin starship okay yes nice very nice yep. all right all right so let's transition you've got about six weeks in now mm -hmm. how are you liking it i love it honestly the people are amazing um the work that everyone's doing i keep telling them how impressed I am by how much they've achieved with such, you know, a small team, but with so many amazing volunteers like yourself, Anthony, who step in and help us uh, represent ACB um, and make sure that our message and our support gets to um, all of those who are interested and all those that we can teach um, about what's required to really be truly open and accessible um, in terms of our daily lives. Um, I really feel like even the corporate sponsors go above and beyond um, what I'm used to seeing. Um, and as I said, when I was working very high levels of government, usually you, you, people take your call because of where you work. Here, I, people take your call again because of where you work in a different tone because they want to be a part of ACB. And uh, I feel really lucky that I get to be here. What surprised you so far? <sighs> <laughs> just how much is going on and um <laughs> as i alluded to before, before we came on the air i'm just still trying to understand like we have 10 amazing streams on acb media network formerly acb radio and just what's going on how do we how do we share what's happening um to those who would like to hear and plan for what's happening so we're still trying to it's one of my tasks is really that content management strategy um, showcasing what's coming up, um, knowing what the next priority is for the next week, month, event, um, and making sure that that information gets uh, out um, so people can tune in and to be a part of it. Um, so when I remember that my first staff call um, and Cindy shared that there was 90 community events planned for that week, and I went, whoa. <laughs> That was not what I was expecting. Um, and the fact that I um, now have access to all the data, I can see how many are participating. I can see who's tuning in to um, to our shows. And, uh, and it's amazing to see just how much information um, is getting out there in terms of 
people wanting to express themselves and be involved and bring bring each other into those experiences. And uh, yeah, biggest surprise is just how much is going on 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 the daily. What um what community calls have you been able to participate? In? Um, so I've only been able to participate in the coffee social. I am kind of dying to do karaoke. Um, I don't yeah. really, I'm terrible. Um, I only karaoke once when I was in Scotland and we of course did walk 500 miles and the DJ turned <laughs> up the music over us. We were terrible. So, um, but I kind of, you know, I just want to hear what other people have to say and I'm hoping we can do something fun maybe for our anniversary or 60 or something with sixties music or something from 1961 you know, get, get some, uh, some theme going. I love sixties music. So that'd be fun. Nice. Absolutely. So you came in at a time ACB had, um, put some investment in getting a communications, a look, a strategy, an idea Mm -hmm. of, you know, where we're hitting and where we need to be targeting. So when you stepped in, you know, how much did you know about the organization how much, you know, what kind of research did you do as, as you were taking the job? Um, I guess, you know, for the interview, I had studied a lot. I, I was coming from a university, an academic area that was, um, you know, as I mentioned, 10 campuses. So fairly large in terms of, you know, 10,000 students. And um, really, they had many of the same issues in terms of, like, how do we tell our story clearly without, you know, um, overcomplicating it? without the message being lost um, and by getting people involved. And so one of the one of the ironies is um, I had changed the brand for that university. So their tagline was the right direction for a brighter future. Kind of sounds familiar uh, yeah. to our ACB. Um, so right away, I could kind of see where we were going. And I think there's still conversations that we need, we all need to have about um, does the brand record uh, represent us right now? Is it, does it represent where we're going in the future? Um, I wouldn't say that I'm, um, uh, egotistical enough to say that I know that yet. I, uh, I'm still listening. I'm still trying to figure that out. I think what does represent us is, is making sure that the information is available um, in a meaningful way, in a clear clear way. Um, I love seeing on the lists the sharing of information back and forth, but um, I would love to see it in a conversation rather than, you know, everyone telling. I, I would I want to be more part of the discussion. So that's kind of my goal um, during convention to really listen and be part of the networking and discussions to hear what others have to say. And that's part of what this um, 60 year testimonial request is, is come tell, come tell us your stories. Tell us, tell us what's made a difference for you. Tell us who's made a difference for you. Um, and then show us if you can. Nice. Well, that, that's a great segue. Actually, uh, have you ever been to a convention of one of the consumer organizations in our community? I have not, not yet. No. All it's right. A newbie. Well, what do you- Totally, maybe. Um, I'm really, what, are you, what are you looking forward to the most? I love the track. So that's new this year. There'll be uh, seven tracks, technically eight, because there's a general track where something might not have fit, or I think it's being called a human interest uh, track at this point. But um, I'm really interested in the technology. Um, this new um, accessible gaming 
I'm really interested to hear how that works. Um, I'm also interested in like, you know, the, the human side, the, the health and wellness, the, the crafters, um, hearing about what other, some of our big sponsors are doing, um, the changes that uh, Microsoft's making for accessibility and things like that. So um, I really wish that it was in person. Um, can't believe I have to wait a whole year to do to experience that, but Omaha is not that far away. So, um, but I'm looking forward to seeing, um, yeah, just being a part of it. And um, I'm trying, going to try and help Kelly out um, to make sure that the videos and the social media stay up. Uh, we just invested in Hootsuite. Uh, which you may know will help us plan out a little bit more of our social media so um, we can we can plan what's coming up some of the award winners areas we haven't been able to uh, pre-plan some of that information and make sure they're aware um, so they can you know co-sponsor some of the publicity that we put out for some of the great things coming out nice well that's that's another great segue what can we as ecb members do to open our communications Sorry, I think it cut out there, Anthony. What did you say there? What can we as ACB members do to help hone the brand, to help hone, you know, our communications efforts and to take ACB? I mean, it's no secret. We would love to be the number one organization, you know, the go to the first, you know, the first step in um, your blind or low vision, you know, journey. So what can we as members do to help you effectively make that happen? I think engage, you know, when when something comes out to port support what's happening, whether it's an advocacy of a bill in your in your local area, in your state. Um, uh, for instance, the Rhode Island bill was just passed in the House, but now it's going to the Senate, you know, participate. Um, you know, it, it, even if it's um, sharing something on social media that catches your eye that you think others who may not have seen it would be interested in sharing that um, in, you know, offering endorsements to our board members, to our BOP, making sure that um, if there's a call out for content, um, you know, Anthony, you and Gabe are really quick to always volunteer, which we appreciate. Um, and, you know, just having, being part of the organization, um, some people are more comfortable listening. Um, and I, that's completely valid. Um, if you're listening, we appreciate you. Um, we may not know your names the same way, um, but if you want to tell us your names and tell us uh, what's important to you, let us know. Um, one of the things I would like to do is really look at the surveys that we do with our members a little bit more, um, maybe not just after convention, but a couple times throughout the year to see what people people have to say. Um, what's going, where's working well, what could, what could be better? Um, I always say, I don't have an ego to my work. I'm really always looking for uh, the best uh, experience, not the best suggested by me. Um, so when someone has an opportunity, um, to share their vision or even to say, Hey, um, you know, that didn't go the way we thought it would. Um, this is what we wish you'd done differently. I do want to hear it. Be open, be honest with us. Awesome. So for state and special interest affiliates, what is our most successful um, social media avenue? I know I'm personally really looking forward to the calendar function for ACB Media, and I'm hoping that that will somehow translate to all of ACB. Mm -hmm. But what's our most effective social media? And if we are doing things, how do we get on the national, you know, the national, um, all nationalized on us? 
So we just launched a new public, aware, uh, public awareness promotional form. Um, so if you do have uh, any ideas or commitments or events that you would like us to feature, um, we can make that form available. Um, our success, I would say, here's the thing. We have, we are followed um, by more on Facebook, um, but the engagement we see happening across the board, I personally would like to see our LinkedIn grow, especially during uh, COVID. LinkedIn really had an opportunity to share information uh, for those of you who are uh, working or looking to build skills. LinkedIn is an opportunity um, to be a bit better network in terms of beyond social. Um, Instagram is somewhere that I know we um, need to be better at. In fact, just managing our image assets, we we need more. So that's part of why I asked during the 60th anniversary if you have images. Uh, selfishly, I would like more images of us. Um, we don't seem to capture um, as many that are beyond convention. So headshots or fun um, experiences that you're having. If you're willing to share those images with us, I would like to use them um, to represent us more so than, you know, simple logos. Um, I would say Twitter is a very good when we have, um, when we're in the news, when there's the media or um, a bill to pass. Um, but Facebook is where the conversations are existing right now. Um, and also where some of the live events have been going. Um, one of the changes I've asked to make is to see if our live events can also be featured on our homepage. Um, so it's not having to know exactly when they are, but being able to follow up if you, in case you missed one in, a, in an obvious place. So that's some of the stuff we're looking for for social media. So something that, you know, the baby of my heart, um, the ACB Voices blog. Do you have any plans for maybe a, I think, a more directional flow for it? Yeah, I think we probably need to align it a little bit with our editorial calendar and do some call outs for some topics and some ideas um, based on what's happening in the rest of ACB and the rest of the world. Um, I would like to see more um, of our affiliate participation there. So the blog, uh, there will be a plan, but we uh, that plan, as many are, have at this point in the stage, will come after convention, which is quickly <laughs> swallowing us up over the next couple of weeks as we get ready. Will you be a panelist on any of any events during convention? Or are um, they giving you the year grace, grace period? <laughs> I think I get to join Tony for Get Up and Get Moving, um, but that's it so far. Awesome. All right, Byron, let's take a look and see if we have any hands for Jen. All oh, right. and is it okay to call you Jen? I'm sorry, I yeah. should ask that yeah. first. Yeah. All right, for awesome. Sure. All right. Well, before we take those hands, we do have at least one at the moment. Um, I just want to remind everyone how to raise those hands. Um, if you're on a PC, you're going to do Alt-Y. If you're on a Mac, you're going to do Option-Y. And if you're on a regular phone, you're going to do uh, Star 9. And if you're on an iPhone or an Android, you're going to go to the lower right-hand corner and find more. And raise hand should be in that screen. So please do raise those hands. We do have Terry with um, their hand raised. So Terry, go ahead and unmute and uh, say your piece. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to visit the I Mean Sunday edition. <laughs> <laughs> Good Terry, morning. If you don't, if you don't all 
all out there don't know, Terry hosts Visibilities, and it's an, another amazing ACP Media Network program. <laughs> well, thank you. Terry. <laughs> thank you, Anthony. Good morning, Jennifer. I am so pleased to be uh, to have you on here on Sunday edition this week. Um, first of all, let me absolutely invite you. I would love to have you on Visibilities sometime in the next near future. Um, Friday. Time. Um, but I, I think one of the things that I would re I think would be, a, I think it would be really good. I wasn't really expecting to be the first one on here. Um, is I think I reached out to you the other day. I have a tremendous amount of history of the organization all the way back to including an actual recording that we've been working on that we're going to be doing a little bit of spotlighting on on the convention um, of Derwood McDaniel. Uh, wow. Him actually telling us his version of how ACB started. Oh, I love that. Went through the, and goes through the 1980s and 90s and all of that. Um, back at the time when I was the, membership services coordinator and director of development at ACB for about seven years. Um, I put together some, a lot of images. I'm hoping that I still have some of them. Most of them were on floppy disks and I don't know about anybody else, but I certainly don't have a disk drive anymore. But I do have some images, one of which I always, it, it always tugs at my heart, is a photo of Jim Olson. And I don't know how many of you know, remember who Jim was, but Jim was the treasurer and ran the Minneapolis office for many, many years until his passing back in about 2004 or five. Um, and it's a picture of him finishing off. He had built his two daughters a dollhouse and it's him oh. finishing that off. And I, there were other pictures. I've got a load of pictures of John Fleming, who was a blinded veteran and was president of Viva uh, back in the day. Um, he's also gone now, but he was a, um, very much into uh, being a blind parachuter. Hmm. And I have My maiden name is all Fleming. kinds of skydives. I'm sorry? My maiden name Maid? is Fleming. I wonder if I'm related to him. Oh, wow. for heaven's sake. He was from Oregon, I think it was originally. And we have a lot of, I've got a lot of those pictures. I also have a lot of stories about the past and about things that have happened in ACB. Some of whom you can, some of which you can use, some of them could not be used. Some of the funniest <laughs> ones. Some of them you'll have to whisper done, into but... my ear then, I think. <laughs> yeah, those. <laughs> Does have to go into your ear, <laughs> not on, <laughs> not on the radio for sure. <laughs> well, but if I can step I would... in for a moment, we, um, I'm on the public relations steering committee, and we've actually been trying to figure out how to tell the ACB story. So I'm sure Jen, we'd love to have Terry um, yeah. pop in one of our meetings, and you know, one of our soon meetings because we're, we, it's an ongoing conversation. We're all ready to get you know get convention up and started and, and you know make the most amazing presentation that we possibly can but after that you know we're going to be working on you know the full year of, of celebrating so i think terry we'd love to have you on 
on the public I would, relations I would, I, would, I would actually love to be on that committee myself. Okay, um, well, we can do that I, too. I, I really do. I think I've got, I have a lot and, and I think there are issues that need to be dealt with that really maybe are kind of, that are definitely PR related, but are not being addressed too, too well right now. And maybe I could help with them. And I've got a lot of time coming up because I'm finally going to retire. But I think mm -hmm. I would really love to have you on Visibilities because, you know, we talk about Instagram and Clubhouse and Facebook and such. But Visibilities is my original idea with that was for visually impaired seniors' abilities. And that's why it's spelled in one way that Alexa does not understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's really hard to find our podcast because of it. But um, I think you could, I, I, what I'd love to have you do is come join me on a visibilities, bring your notebook, because that's where you're going to find a lot of old stories. Uh, those are the people who were around in the 60s and the 70s and the right. 80s. Is that we, that that's where we've got a lot of our seniors who are not into anywhere near as much technology as many of the younger people are. Right. And well, so we, I would we can record those sound bites for them for sure. <laughs> nice. I, um, I so please, I would love to hear from you. Um, I, I sent you an email, I think just yesterday, that's got my email address and such in it. And I would very much love to do anything for you. And I wish you all the luck in the world with this position. Thank you so much. I think Kirk. it's I something that. that's it's something that's been long needed in ACB. Well, thank and you. I think thank you're you. Thank the one to finish it. Thank you. Appreciate it very much, Terry. Sidebar note: the July 11th episode of uh, Sunday Edition. I will be out of town, so I have asked Terry to host for me that week. We are all supportive of each other's programming, and um, we, you know, we're supportive of the organization. So everybody that tunes in on uh, the 11th will be hearing Terry Helm a Sunday Edition. So thank you in advance for that. Byron, thank who else do we have? Absolutely. And um, Terry, I definitely can help you out with a USB disk drive so that you can get those uh, disks loaded into your modern computer and get those things off. Um, they definitely have them available on places like Amazon. So if you want help finding one that would work with your system, let me know. I'd be happy to help you try to figure out a way to get those things off of those disks. Nice. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Are um, you going to put me on one more job of finding them? <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> uh, we have Rachel who's got their hand up. So Rachel, go ahead and unmute and uh, speak. Can you guys hear me? We, we can. can. Mm -hmm. Hi, Anthony and Byron. Hi. Hi. Oh, good to hear your beautiful voices again. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have a question and, for Jen? Um, just a comment. Uh, Jen, I do recognize your voice from coffee times in the morning, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, but um, my comment was that I will be praying for you, and I just want to wish you the very, very best of luck. That's all I can say. I can't say more than that. Thank you, Rachel. I really You're appreciate welcome. that. Welcome. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for joining no for coming problem. to Sunday Edition. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Byron will go two more hands. Who else do we have? Uh, we don't have any at the moment, but if you guys want to get those hands up, please do, and we'll certainly take your questions. 
in the meantime, Jen, if they want to send you an email or reach out to you, what are your extensions and e email? I have no idea what my extension is. So thank you for asking. <laughs> Literally <laughs> no idea. Um, <laughs> I will look that up. But you can always email me at either jflatt, F-L-A-T-T, at acb.org or media at acb.org. And let me look up and see what my extension is. A 15091. 091. All right, I'll do one more hand check. Byron? Um, as of right now, we do not have any, so um, we'll check again later. Well, then, Jennifer, I hope you will come back to Sunday Edition real soon. Thank you so much for letting our members get to know you a little bit. And we really, really, really look forward to the communications um, streamlining that I know you'll be instituting over the next couple of months. Thank you so much. And um, uh, just before I leave, I'll say I appreciated being here very much. Good luck to Cache and happy birthday to Mark. Anthony, it looks <laughs> like we do have a hand. Um, we oh. have two now. Uh, we have Kathy and Nora. So let's go with Kathy first. Kathy, go ahead. All and right. Hello. This is Hi. Kathy King. And I've been a member of ACB for a couple of years, but this is my first time on Sunday edition. I listen Welcome. to you folks frequently. Thank you for featuring Jennifer today. I think she has a very important role in our organization. I was so thrilled to hear someone was appointed to it. I tuned in today especially to hear her and to hear about her background. And I am so excited that we found such a talented person and someone with such great background working across large organizations and working with people with disabilities. Absolutely. We got a rock star. Yeah, that was very sweet. And um, I'm involved with a um, ACB community call called Writing Works Wonders, and we'll be reaching out to you shortly. We're very excited you're with us. I'm from a university background. I totally understand the issues you've, you described, and the fact that you dealt with them speaks volumes about your capability. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to Nora. All right, Nora, go ahead and unmute and feel free to speak. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Nora. Hi, it's a pleasure to meet you. And my, I missed, because of technical difficulties, I couldn't uh, understand, I couldn't uh, hear what you were saying about in the very beginning, um, about your background. What, where are you from? I'm from Ottawa, Canada. I actually became a U.S. citizen on February 11th of this year. Oh, so I've just been in the U.S. for five years and a new citizen. And I just ordered my passport. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> oh, so one more question. Um, uh, do you know anything about how uh, ACB Radio and now ACB Media would, would help with hearing? I know it's going to work on the... Um, you should still be able to dial in by phone if that's what you want. If you go to acbmedia.org, uh, um, it does list how all the ways under the About Us section, all the ways that you can dial in and hear the broadcasts. I have an iPad, but no, I don't have, I only have a landline, but I have an iPad as well. Do you have the ACB Links app? Um, I don't think so. You can download that and that will play directly through them. Okay, thank you. Look for it in your, uh, in your um, app store. 
ACB links and it's free. Good, thank you. You're welcome. Awesome. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much. I can't wait to have you back on the program. Thank and you. we will be right back with Miss Cashay Wells. Hey, Mark Reichert here, first vice president of ACB. So, of course, I'd love your vote this summer. But the most important thing is that you do it because it's only when you vote that ACB wins. So come on, baby, vote. Come to convention. Vote. You can do it. Welcome to Sunday Edition, Cashay. Hi, hi, hi. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I wanted um, I wanted to take the opportunity for, you know, people around the country to get to know you. You um, you're uh, I think it's fair to say a rock star here in Florida. Um, you've done a lot for our um, state organization. You've done a, uh, a lot of visibility for our White King Bulletin and some of the other projects. So let's um, let's go way, way back. Tell me where you're from, where you grew up, what um, you know, what got you into the work you're in. Okay. Um, well, I am a native of sunny Jacksonville, Florida. I have been born and raised here. I have uh, traveled a lot of places, but home is Jacksonville for me. I love it. Um, so that is pretty much, I was educated here locally. I went to college here and I raised my family here. So one thing that I'm proud of is that I'm a mom and I'm a grandmother. Uh, my grandson is going to be six soon. So that is one of my great pleasures. I love him mm -hmm. to death. And so um, just giving back, just always having a heart to give back. And I think it was something that was instilled in me as a uh, as a young person and that's for me where it all began it all began um in my high school years and just wanting to do something greater for the world um i hope it's okay to ask what is your level of um visual impairment i am uh, legally blind at this point and i am uh, pretty much i have light perception in one eye and nothing in the other I was diagnosed with macular degeneration uh, at the age of 30 in 2002. And so uh, for me, that's where uh, a different level of advocacy began. Yeah. And that brought you into ACB. So tell us about those early days of advocacy and how you found the um, FCB, excuse me, first and then ACB. Uh, I think advocacy for, for me started as a teenager and not feeling like I um, had a specific place and uh, wanting to give back to a community of young people because I was uh, a young person who was grounded and rooted in faith, but I still had an urgency and an eagerness to be able to empower other people. Um, I had great mentors in my life and it instilled in me that drive along with what my parents had given me to just be able to do for others and put putting myself aside and, um, and not just advocating for the things that I needed, but also seeing the, the greater pleasure in advocating for people who needed um, someone's someone to speak for them to someone that um, to share their voice to be able to put into action, not just words, but put real life uh, steps into action to, to bring about change. And so for me, that's where it started. And I began to mentor in my young adults uh, age, mentoring uh, young people, partnering with some local um, 
shelters, uh, which is where I really um, found a passion for young people. It was giving back at the, the local homeless shelters where I did a lot of life skills and activities with the young people at the shelters, doing mentoring and life skills with teen parents. And then I uh, became involved with the local Urban League and learning what that culture meant and learning how to give back in a different manner, uh, learning to support and um, be able to fight uh, a different kind of fight for the, for the injustices of a culture, uh, of a people. And so that's where I began to get more involved with the Urban League. I began to do uh, trainings and workshops with them. I've worked with them on some grant programming, uh, educating teens who had dropped out of school to go back and be re-educated to get their high school diploma. And from that, I got involved in American Cancer Society. I had never heard of that organization and just partnering with a project that they had and I loved it. I loved the energy that came with um, being able to assist those who had been uh, affected by many different forms of cancer. But this particular project was about breast cancer. And so it was the initial thing that connected me with the American Cancer Society. And so I began to go full force with that. And I did that for many years. And then I was offered an opportunity to become the mission education chair for the American Cancer Society project that I was on. And I did that for a few years. And then something happened in my own personal life, which brought me to ACB, which, I mean, which brought me to the local chapter of Jacksonville Council of the Blind. I lost my vision and I wondered, blindness, what is that going to be about? How is that going to look? What is that going to be? And that's where I connected um, after doing some research. I found JCB and, and I've been a part of them for, for a few years now. I, I feel, um, I feel a, a, a similar storyline feel from my own life. I, I did, um, I'm obviously part of the LGBTQ community and, and of course have always advocated and fundraised. But um, I also found um, autism to be a cause and, and I, I would work summers at uh, the Brooklyn School for Special Children and, and it just took my heart and my, my activism um, and advocating before losing my eyesight was always around um, autism research and behavioral modification things. And of course, I was raising funds because what nonprofit doesn't need money? <laughs> of course, of course. So I definitely, you know, they, they, they say you hear your story over and over again. And, and I definitely got a 2.0 re reboot of my story listening to you. Um, so why the BOP? For me, um, it was the initiation, the initial uh, thing was that I am a writer. I love to write. I love to be able to be able to read the literary work. I love to be able to hear about it. And there have been some situations along my journey in connecting with ACB um, as I grew to love this organization and became more active in just participating with ACB. Um, 
with anything, you know, you always see that there is a there's a need and there's a desire for more. Because when I connect with something, I I, I connect full in. You know, I want it to be mm-hmm. as successful and as prosperous as and as thriving as it can be. And um, because I do have a standing uh, article in the White Cane Bulletin, which is our state bulletin, I said, you know what? I want to get involved in the national level, you know, and I sought to 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 do that, and uh, in doing so, you know, like sometimes what is uncommon or the uncommon spoken thing is, I felt like I had gotten pushback in certain areas, and I realized it's not necessarily about me, and I think sometimes we have to look at things like even though. We may not experience the same things. We got to be empathetic to know that if we are a family, somebody in our family is being affected by it. And so when I saw the opportunity to for change, you know, I said, you know what? That is something that I can aspire to do because I'm good at what I do. I'm good at the things that I connect myself with. I'm driven by a certain level of passion and compassion and empathy for change and better um that you know what i said i prayed about it and i said you know what i think i can bring my personal value to the value of this organization and together we can be better and that was why that brought me to my pursuit to seek a seat on the board of publications well i love you working in the tagline of convention that was pretty cool um, we're going to open up for questions in a few minutes, but I wanted to ask you, um, we hear a lot about people that are aging into vision loss, retiring into vision loss, et cetera, and not really wanting to identify themselves that way or link up with the community um, you know, for that would make them raise the visibility on their vision issues or struggles. Um, but we don't really pay attention or talk much about the same phenomenon in in the more urban communities and that you know there are a lot more percentage wise in you know in persons of of color but they don't really identify with the disabled disability communities do you do you have any comments on that i can uh, agree with the people don't want to associate with something that um, has a stigma and I think because the stigma of disability gives a lot of people a little hesitancy. Um, but for in the urban community, for myself, even when I did my research, I was like, I know there has to be a community that I can connect with. But again, people don't like to connect with things that have uh, a societal stigmatization that it's a negative thing and I think the more that we build up the individual and we put the positive out there to let people know that we are independent we're very confident we're very uh, diligent to just being great successful people and individuals the more that we help to support individuals they can go out and start supporting their community. And when they support their community, it brings more attention and it widens the audience that can draw more membership for the for the organization as a whole. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big proponent of we, we need to reach out more to our friends and families, our quote unquote allied populations, 
you know, and bring them into the organization in a more robust way so that, you know, it, it broadens the community. And like you said, that it will ultimately lead to more membership. Um, Byron, let's do a hand check. Do we have anybody that wants to ask Cache? Well, we have herself? we have a hand up. Um, there's a 308 uh, area or 330 area code. Um, I don't know if you intended to raise your hand for Jennifer, uh, but uh, the person with the 330 area code, please go ahead and unmute and feel free to speak. Yeah, and, this is Stephanie. Hi. I'm new to the program. Hi, Stephanie. And, uh, welcome. Yeah, I just want to know how were you able to overcome your vision loss? Good question. Thank you so much. Um, it's a it's a daily work um, for me. One thing that I try to encourage those who are transitioning is you do have to allow yourself the time to process uh, and grieve in a sense. I think for me, uh, when I initially found out, I was devastated. I was devastated because I was a young mother. I was a wife at the time. And to hear that, it took me a moment to process. Um, you know, and, and, and what I will say is there's no right or wrong of how you process that because that's personal for you. But what helped me to transition was to allow myself the, the, the time to be able to slowly researched to allow myself to experience all of the emotions that come with processing what I've now heard, but allowing myself to process, what do I do now? And what do I do now is I've got to do whatever it takes to make myself and uh, put myself in the best position. So what helped me to transition is to stay involved, to continue to stay involved in the things that I was doing. At the time, I was uh, mentoring young people. I was teaching dance, which I've done for 22 years. And I continued that process. I continued to give back. I continued. I even, I, I, to be honest, I, I started giving back even more, you know, where I was going maybe once a week to the shelter. I started going, you know, maybe twice a week or a few times in that same month just to be able to keep myself busy and also challenge myself to see how much can I overcome? Can I learn how to do this a different way? Teaching myself how to uh, re-envision myself differently, you know, practicing the things that I was doing every day, learning how to do those same things differently so that it would put me in the best position to succeed in the best position to, to continue to walk in confidence. You know, I, I say all the time that, you know, even though we may be blind or visually impaired, it is what it is a part of what we are, but it's not who we are. It's, it doesn't define us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for your question, Stephanie. Byron, I think I heard another yeah. hand go up. Yes, we have uh, a few more. Um, let's see. We currently have, and thank you for your question. Um, we have Melissa. Melissa, go ahead and unmute. Thank you, Byron. And good morning, Anthony. Good to be here again. Good morning. Yes. Um, and hi there, Cache. Um, good morning. Good, well, good morning. afternoon. <laughs> well, either one. <laughs> it depends either on what one. side of the country you're on. Yeah. <laughs> what side of the country you're in? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just want to say, you know, you and I are a part of the hosting team for the ACB community. And I just want to just say that you have done an exceptional job being a Zoom host. Um, and of course, I'm part of that team as well. 
Um, but my question to you is, how did you learn about the ACB community calls? And number two, how did you uh, become a host? And I'm going to mute myself, but God bless you. You are an amazing individual. And I want to congratulate you on putting yourself forward to be to um, be involved on a national level and, and do the Board of Publications nomination thing. So God bless. Thank you I so much. I think if she has your vote. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, and again, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I thought to myself, we're going to quarantine. Well, guess what? I've been quarantining for a minute. And that's how many of us who are blind and visually impaired, we didn't really have to adjust to being home. We just had to adjust to what we were going to do while we were home. Um, and so for me, uh, one day, just checking my email, I ran across an email that was introducing the community call. And I said, hmm, that might be pretty interesting. And I found myself calling in and connecting with those very first calls. And I would come on those community calls and I never said anything, probably the first two months that I actually came on those calls. And then I was like, these are some pretty interesting calls. I like this. And I found myself being excited about waking up or you know, connecting the next day with those calls. And the more that they were having, the more I became involved. And then I said, you know what? I want to be more involved. I actually attended, uh, the, they were getting ready to have the uh, first virtual ACB convention. And I said, you know what? For me locally, um, the local chapter, uh, whether it was the intention of the past president or not. I don't want to go there. But ACB seemed like something that was far off for me. I didn't really hear a lot about ACB or the national. And so when I got connected with the community calls is how I found out more about ACB. And it per it, it sparked me to come to the virtual uh, convention, which I did. And hearing the general sessions and the opening sessions from um, Dan Spoon and just connecting with so many of the different workshops, I was, I, I just found this new ig, uh, igniting uh, within me to want to get involved. And I said, you know what, I want to do more. And that's how I started to change my mindset and say, I'm going to reach out and try to connect with um, the community uh, facilitators about becoming a host with ACB. And although it had its challenges, you know, in the end, I did uh, go through the training, hence becoming one of ACB's hosts. Thank you so much, Melissa. That was a great question. Amen. Do you have any, Thank you. Do you have any idea what you might be hosting during convention this year? I actually, because I'm so nervous <laughs> with this old BOP, I opted not to sign up because I want to be able to focus on um, focus on that and what yeah. I'm going to be asked to do because I'm not really sure. Um, and then I want to be able to participate in quite a few of the workshops too. So th I actually awesome. did not opt to, to host for the convention this time. Me either. <laughs> JP Morgan Chase, BPI, uh, you know, okay, I, I just wasn't able to. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a lot on the schedule that I want to go to. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> Byron, who else do we have? Uh, we have two more. We have uh, Terry and Rachel. So Terry, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and unmute. Okay, and I promise this is my last time. Um, Keshe, I maybe I should be 
saving this question for July 11th, but I want to ask you, why, what was your determining factor on why you felt that the Board of Publications would be the best place for you to bring your services to the organization as opposed to, say, for instance, chair of the membership committee or a member of the board of directors or on the advocacy committee. I'm just curious as to why the BOP as opposed to many of the other places where I'm sure your experience would be just as, as uh, fulfilling for ACB. Great Thank question. you so much. Thank you so much. Again, I um, when I think back on or when I look and do my research on what the Board of Publications, the Board of Publications is that committee or that body that governs the written literary work and the voice literary work with its uh, uh, the social media, the blogs, the uh, voices, whether it's the programming, whether it's the Braille form or the e-form. Because I am a writer, I love uh, being able to read diverse work. I love being able to um, hear di diverse perspectives on whatever it's your ideas or uh, interest. And I submitted uh, an article to be published in the Braille form. Because mind you, I've already said, I have a standing article in the white the White Cane Bulletin, which is our state paper. And I wanted to become more involved in the national level. So becoming involved in the things that I already know that I can accomplish was very important to me. And so I started with the Braille form. And I submitted an article in August and, you know, a little bit of pushback uh, or uh, I don't know what the internal process is. And so for me, I feel like when it came to the Board of Publications, there needs to be a little bit more clarity and clear clearing of the processes and the policies and the practices of submissions and the intensity or the um, intent of how that process is supposed to work. Uh, there's no way that uh, if you're submitting to have um, articles or uh, bodies of work to be submitted to an organization that I should submit an article in August and September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April goes by and it wasn't published until April. Somewhere along the line, the policies and the practices and the pro those processes need to change. And, and I couldn't figure out why that is that I wasn't getting any clarity and you know what it could be oversight it could just be a pilot of the uh, the policy or the processes but for me it sparked something that somewhere along the line there needs to be some greater uh, attention put to the strategies and the intent of how those processes play out whether it's direct I'm feedback sorry. I have a two-part question for you before we go to, I, I believe um, we have one more hand, but um, how can you bring, how can you help bring some of those diverse voices into the organization on a more louder level? And the one thing that we always hear when we're asking for submissions and things is, oh, I'm not a writer. So mm -hmm. what would you say to someone who has a voice, but says, 
I'm not a writer. The one thing that I would say is uh, the only way to widen our audience is to get feedback. We've got to tap into conversations, having open conversations, getting dialogue, dialoguing with dialoguing with the members to see what are their interests, what are the things that they want to see, what are the things that they want to contribute. And even if a person says that they're not a writer, then maybe, you know, a part of the Board of Publications needs to be some type of a mentoring, mentoring, writer workshops, mentoring on workshops or uh of how to how to engage, how to get involved with publications, how to get involved with programming, how to get involved with uh, communications. It has to be strategic things put in place, and I think that's one of the things that is one of, is going to be one of my goals. How do we change the membership involvement? How do we connect our members to the audience that we want? If we want our, we want to widen our, mem- we want to increase our membership, we want to widen our audience, how are we going to do that? We've got to start with getting true, true and relevant feedback from the members. We've got to get um, real-time interest, and we have yeah. to learn how to recognize that we can be empathetic, not re- reactionary. Let's not be reactionary. Let's recognize that diversity and inclusion and equity is something that is every day not when situations happen not when something happens absolutely you know acb now media network has a core of volunteers that are amazing every time i get an opportunity to say thank you i always do um maybe we need like an editor's core you know some volunteers who can take pieces and bring the best out of them or work with someone who wants to tell a story but says i'm not a writer well everybody's a writer if you can talk you can write um, and so maybe we, if we had an editor's core of people who were willing to work with our members, we could get more representation that way as well. All right, Byron, um, who was our next hand? Our last hand for this segment is Rachel. Rachel, go ahead and uh, unmute. Hello again. Hi, Cache. It's nice to hear your voice. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say congratulations to you and... Um, Best of luck. I know what um, I know what you're going through um, with blind. I've been blind all my life, but I know what you're going through with the grieving process. Because even though I'm blind all my life, I have ups and downs too. So you're not alone, girlfriend. And I encourage you to take every day and make you know be better. I, one thing that I try to do is I try to be better than the day before. So if something ha- something happens today that may not be put me in the best of spirit, I try. You know what? I'm gonna tomorrow's gonna be a better day. And we if we look at it that way, we always end up winning. There you go. Yes. That's got it too. Well, thank you. It's so, so good welcome. To see you. Good luck. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Cache, I am so very glad that you decided to join us here and I wish you the best of luck with the rest of this campaign and um, hopefully you'll get voted onto the Board of Publications and have an amazing run there. Thank um, you tell so me you'll much come for back having me. Yes, again soon. thank you, <laughs> okay. yes, yes. All right, Byron, uh, Sunday edition will be right back. Thank you for calling the ACB Radio and Information Line brought to you by Xeno Media. 518-906-1820. That's 518-906-1820. Well, 
We are back, and it is Helen Keller's birthday. So all of us in ACB, we, we all know a fair amount about Miss Helen Keller. So let's all just take one quick moment. And there we go. Now, I am very pleased to welcome back to Sunday Edition our first vice president, Mr. Mark Reichert. And coincidentally, um, you're celebrating yours today as well. Yes, sir. 52 years. Oh, my God. Oh, who knew? You know, happy, happy birthday. I've been I've been saying it to a couple of people. Yeah, I know. I've got uh, one year for every card of the deck. So it'll be interesting to see. Is this a is this an ace of spades year or a three of clubs year or a, or a joker? Actually, I guess a, a deck with jokers and it would be 54 cards. I've got two more years to think that through, I guess. <laughs> nice. Well, <clears throat> we've been having some great conversations on Sunday edition over the last couple of months, and you have um, you have joined us for quite a few of them. Uh, very interesting mental health discussion. We were talking a little bit about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and so, you know, it's funny the way the show ended up structuring out today, the questions that we had and, and the conversations that we had, because I wanted to talk with you some more about some of the stuff that, that we had discussed last time around, especially focusing on mentoring and really bringing, you know, to ACB a spirit of involvement and how can we make our ACB community reflect our national you know, our country, how can we, how can we look at our, our organization and see all that we see when we walk out our door in this beautiful country. So yeah. thank you for joining me again. Um, did you have any opening thoughts that you wanted to start off with? Well, other than uh, anytime you want me to be the caboose on a train with rock star ladies like this, uh, sign me up, man. I, this is, <laughs> I'm privileged, privileged uh, place among this, uh, this group. So awesome stuff. Well, you know, before we dive into the conversation itself, you're the first contested election so far. Of course, somebody can run from the floor against President Spoon, but as of right now, you you're you're the first one with an actual opponent. How does that feel? <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I uh, we uh, talk about uh, rock star ladies. <laughs> we right, and I would say, and I I said this uh, at a previous candidates forum. We've got. Uh, at a caucus rather, and we've got the candidates forum coming up this week. So there'll be plenty of time for all of that. I would just say, I meant what I said the other night, which is, you know, some of us a couple of years ago, look, we were very grateful uh, to be elected uh, to the officer roles and such. And we said to ourselves, that's wonderful. Thanks ACB membership. God love you for doing that. And we also said to ourselves, gee, wouldn't it have kind of been nice if there were more folks running uh, for offices? Uh, right. If you're if you're in the contest, maybe you don't feel as, uh, you know, joy bells about that. But Lord knows, looking at it from the big picture perspective, I think, you know, ACB is clearly better when there is broad enthusiasm for folks who want to step up and lead and take other positions and things like that. So from really the bottom of my heart, and I mean it with everything uh, that you're prepared to believe that I have to offer. Uh, good that we have folks who are willing to do that. And in fact, I wish there were more because I think uh, in other contests and hopefully perhaps moving forward, um, we'll see more of that because I think the more folks who step up and want to uh, put themselves out there, the better ACB is for it. 
so <clears throat> you said something interesting to to me a while back um surrounding the conversation we were having about diversity equity and inclusion yeah. and and i just pitched a, a question to cache from um the urban standpoint but you know you're one of your you know one of your claims to to fame at the moment is is that you work in the aging sector so same question from from that perspective why why don't folks want to identify with the community and what can we in ACP do to take some of that stigma out and make it a you know make it the space that you want to come to for identity and for you know socialization and for advocacy yeah so essentially as you asked that question the the where the where the cursor stopped for me as I was tracking your question was you know why why uh, don't they want to be part of this community? I don't think it's that they want or don't want it. I, I think it literally is, you know, look, there may clearly be some stigma attached to blindness. There's no question about that. But as far as whether they want or don't want to be part of this community, I don't think it occurs to them, right? There, there's a good segment of folks out there who are older beginning to uh, experience vision loss who just frankly sort of say to themselves, oh, this is a, a natural part of growing older um, you know, I'm not totally blind quite yet. Uh, it's a gradual process. And because it seems so gradual and losing vision, maybe it helps to uh, allow one to convince themselves that, well, maybe maybe it won't be so bad or this will be a gradual process. And I'm kind of easing into this identity of being someone who is you know, blind or visually impaired. The standard joke those of us who sort of work on the policy stuff say all the time is, yeah, you know, these people who should be our people, they don't identify themselves as blind or visually impaired. They just can't see too well. And, and so it, it literally is for them a, a framing of their life experience. So we've actually started the process of thinking about how, not just for any piece of legislation we do, but, you know, even more broadly to invite people into this community. How do we uh, change the way we talk about vision loss in a way that shows that we are, how about this, uh, diverse and inclusive, uh, that we're not just about capital B blindness. And, and so that's going to involve perhaps talking about ourselves in a way that those of us who, in my case, for instance, blind all my life, always think of myself as capital B blind. That's going to take a certain amount of courage uh, for us to use different words, uh, talk to people in different ways, uh, such that we don't think we've got uh, all of the, you know, the sermons that they ought to memorize and therefore adopt some ideology about blindness first and foremost before they move on to uh, learning uh, the skills they need to be independent and productive. So taking that a broader stroke, how do we how do we reach the communities that just aren't paying attention to us? Um, you know, in in the pure statistical form of it all, persons of color are statistically more apt to uh, vision loss than the community that we're reaching right now. So how do we go broader? How do we reach out reach more? Well, and this <clears throat> this comes now full circle to your question about mentoring. So, the, the, the people who are expert at reading the data would, if they run in, in this, in, on your show today, would say, yeah, folks who are blind and visually impaired and older folks are all over the place. But if you had to say, where is a concentration? It's more in the Southern part of the US. 
And for sure, uh, the population of older folk living with vision loss uh, does tend to be a, a, a good bit more uh, diverse in terms of how they look, their ethnic backgrounds, the languages they speak, et cetera, than, you know, sort of the more so in, in this context than in other contexts. So what does that mean? I think the people that we have in, you know, our organized blind movement who are part of those communities have a golden opportunity then to be those ambassadors to those uh, to that community of folk who who are experiencing vision loss but don't identify with it, but again that that takes a certain amount of, you know, don't do it the way I did it. Let me reach out to you on where and meet you where you are. It's an art, not a science. I don't know that I have here are the here are the three steps or the <laughs> or the twelve steps, uh, you know, to make that happen. I think that's it's an art as a sort of systems change uh, piece for sure. Uh, the various so-called aging networks throughout the country uh, are a prime target to reach out to so that professionals who work in those settings, right? These are people who obviously have uh, a heart for reaching out to older folk and are working in that sphere, but no zip about blindness and vision impairment, right? Connecting our people up with those professionals and, uh, and therefore it's that sort of cross-fertilization. We have the blindness expertise uh, and some aging, but they for sure have an aging expertise that we ought to be shaping with words and attitudes and actions to hopefully open up the doors a little bit. Do you think that same strategy would work reaching out to urban folks and folks in the AAPI movements and, and other um, cross organizations like that? Oh, I, I, I think that's absolutely true. But it also doesn't happen just with goodwill. There has to be uh, money, frankly. Uh, I mean, anytime you're talking about those kind of state structures, the aging networks and related entities are funded under a bunch of different sources out of the Older Americans Act and any number of other things. So, you know, from a policy point of view, which of course is always my sort of accent on the world, uh, we need to be thinking about how the funds that are already available uh, not only can be grown, but how they can be targeted in such a way that it uh, supports everything we've just we've just said. You know, you hear a lot in in our community of being always being the teacher. I'm tired of always having to explain blindness and and defend blindness <laughs> sometimes, mm. but. Without being ambassadors, you know how we're we're a subsect of a subsect of a subsect in mm -hmm. this country. So, without being ambassadors, how can we expect anything to be better? Well, I think it's a way of framing. It's it's top down, bottom up, side to side, as I like to say. So, from the top down sort of policy perspective, one of the things that we're trying to do uh, with the aging and vision loss legislation that's uh, getting close to being unveiled here. Uh, is uh, to to say, you know, this is we, this is not just another disability issue. Quite frankly, it can't be seen as just another disability issue. This is its own unique uh, issue area. Aging and vision loss is its own unique context, and we dare not continue to try to pigeonhole that group into other frames that already exist. You can't expect people who do not think of themselves as having a disability 
to reach out to the disability structures that are in place for uh, providing technology or providing services or anything. Those are not the doors that they're even going to think about knocking on, uh, no matter how wide you might throw it open waiting for them to walk on in. Uh, they're just not going to do it. So structurally, certainly from the top down, we need to think about uh, making sure that it's understood that this is a its own unique kind of area. So as a practical matter, what does that mean? Well, it means we need to set up a national structure, probably something like an office on aging and vision loss uh, that then becomes sort of the central federal hub for information and referral or for public awareness activities and other things. It's not the only area, it's just, I'm just using it as an illustration, but it's got to become its own uh, recognized uh, field essentially. So turning that inwards towards ACB yep. itself, what what areas of opportunity, where, where are we kind of striking out? What areas of opportunity should we be focusing on? Well, uh, let's see. I think in one of the, it might've been the very last board meeting that we uh, had, we uh, talked about the fact that ACB uh, was <clears throat> uh, gifted essentially with a gazillion dollars worth of uh, public uh, relations and advertising and such through uh, Verizon, I believe. I may have scrambled that in my uh, middle age, my 52-year-old brain. Uh, no, it's Verizon. In, it, yeah. in any case, so one of the things we talked about with that is, okay, so how can we maybe, this is a quite literally a golden opportunity to now start to, since we have resources we didn't have before, think about how, uh, that public relations and communications uh, resource can be leveraged to do exactly what we're talking about. And part of that is gonna have to be, you know, it isn't just we take the happy capital B blindness message that we love, you know, know and love dearly, but be, have, have the courage to use that uh, resource to talk differently to folks where they are. And it's literally that sort of message of hope about you know, the fact that you're losing your vision is not the, the end, but a beginning of a different way of, of, of seeing the world, that kind of an approach. There are folks who are already uh, working with various uh, public relations and sort of framing uh, consultancies to talk through how can we, through perhaps through focus group and other kinds of activities, really, if you will, get in the heads and hearts and minds of people who are losing vision, who are older, who are not part of our community. And I think that that's a, that's a really important thing to do. Uh, you can't just assume what message is going to resonate uh, with them, but, but actually, how about this for a change? Uh, let's uh, listen instead of keep, keep lecturing. And I think that's a good approach that we ought to be thinking about more. One of many that we should be thinking about. Absolutely. How important do you think it is to expand to what I like to call allies? I, I know that you know people people rec recognize that from the BPI approach, but friends and family and influencers out there who aren't blind or low vision but may know someone or may have encountered someone, and so now that we now that they have an interest, you know, pulling them into our organization to to spread our message and our focus. Allyship is, I mean, indispensable. And so in, in the capital D disability world, the primary place one would go if one is like me, a policy nerd and wants to think about how we advance stuff from a policy perspective, it's not the only one, that's just the one I happen to be most familiar with, 
you'd go to an organization or a, con a consortium called something like the Consortium for Citizens with Disabilities or CCD, which ACB is a part of uh, the organization that I uh, work at for my day job. AER is a part of this coalition, but there, there are well over 120, I think now, organizational members of CCD. So representing every stripe or whatever in the disability world, there are several structures like that in the aging space, several of them. Uh, the one that I'm most familiar with is something called the Leadership Conference on Aging Organizations. Uh, several of our groups in the blindness world certainly have been members of LCAO for years. And uh, if some of us aren't currently, we ought to be. Uh, I know a couple of us are ponying back up the, uh, the membership dues to be a part of it. If you look at the organizational roster of the Leadership Conference of Aging Organizations, you're going to see that same kind of dynamic. Uh, you know, women aging groups, uh, I do not remember, you may uh, remember what the initials SAGE stand for, but certainly aging, the connection of aging and the LGBTQ plus worlds, you know, represented by organized nonprofit advocacy groups. And again, so that's, you know, it's a perfect example. What could BPI do structurally in an organized way, or maybe we are already doing it, uh, to make those sort of formal connections with those other organized advocacy groups to then say, yep, uh, whether you know it or not, you got folks uh, who are like us, even if they don't necessarily think they're like us, and, and we want to work with you on messaging uh, to them. And, and uh, in that kind of instance, the whole becomes greater than the sum of the parts, for sure. So shifting focus a little bit, um, you know, on an internal, from an internal standpoint, um, were you, you mentioned earlier talking after, you know, after becoming first vice president with other officers, yeah. were you surprised that in a virtual model and with the money that ACP spent for a, a voting system to be put into place that will work for everyone and model that, you know, the system as closely as possible that, you know, we are all used to. Are you surprised that there weren't more candidates? Uh, no, I don't think I don't think that aspect of it is connected. I think I think there's a combination of holy mackerel. I'm not entirely me, meaning rank, you know, member out there uh, might say, holy mackerel. I'm not so sure that I'm ready uh, to take on an office someplace. And I mean, maybe that's true, but honestly, people who think that are not giving themselves nearly enough credit because I think there are plenty of roles, whether it's a, a board position, either uh, you know, the board of directors of the BOP or but, you know, there are certainly committee roles and other things that people can be involved in. And it's really about you know, saying, you know, don't, I guess my bottom line message to them is don't, don't uh, sell yourself short. But I also think there is a, you know, uh, gosh, I'm not entirely sure what all is involved. Uh, with those roles. And uh, gee, I might have some things to offer, but uh, <laughs> what, what exactly? Uh, you know, I see what these people are. I think I see what these people do. Uh, I hear them in board meetings periodically and that sort of thing, but I'm not really sure what's really expected and how much work am I really taking on. So I do think there's an opportunity for all of us in ACB to sort of articulate what the roles are and invite uh, that next generation of folks to consider. Uh, you know, joining at various levels. Um, and so, you know, I think one of the things we talked about, for example, on the last, uh, at the caucus meeting <coughs> the other night um, with BPI and, and GDY 
uh, was, so what about this business of board and officer, you know, liaisons to uh, state and special interest affiliates? And I think, you know, the royal we all kind of dropped the ball on the roles that we were assigned to do there. It's not the only way to get done what I'm talking about, but it certainly would be a way. Uh, and maybe one of the things that people who sit in current positions can do as part of that liaising uh, function is to start thinking about reaching out to, hey, hi there, uh, state or special uh, interest affiliate X, love to talk with you about folk who may be interested in serving in other ways. And here's what I do, here's what the other roles do, and here's what's really expected of you. And yes, you can do it. And uh, anyway, that's why I think it's another mentoring opportunity and leadership training opportunity. Do you think that everyone who sits um, on the board and who is, you know, a, a primary member of all of our various committees, you know, required to have one or two, at least one or two mentors that they're working with on a revolving basis throughout their terms? So that, you know, like you said, but in a different way, more folks are getting getting to see and, and, and hear and understand what, what you all do. But also, you know, identifying from the other side, from identifying talent and, and maybe realizing, okay, this piece actually works better over here. That's an interesting question. So let me tell you what we're starting to do in AER, uh, what I do for my day job. And I think that this is the kind of thing that, you know, I think we're kind of doing it in ACB, but I think we can step it up too. And that is, you know, your nominations committee uh, is not or shouldn't be looked at as the group that you know, only comes together to eventually bless a slate for the membership to vote on. Perhaps at that, that function, nominations along with maybe a couple of other committees or with an expanded charge or mission for that committee, that, that should be an ongoing process in, in looking for recruiting, encouraging uh, talent so that you, you're constantly developing a, you know, a, a bench or reminding yourself of how big that bench should be so you can get everyone seated at it. I mean, look, anytime you've got a membership organization, AER, like ACB, is a membership organization too. So we've got all the same kind of political dynamics. You know, you want to be sensitive to that and you want to make sure that you're, you know, handling things in all the right ways and you don't have somebody who just promotes somebody else because, you know, that's their favorite person. But I think if we said we're going to take this sort of ongoing approach to developing a bench and we don't just wait for nomination season but we start actively pulling people in then uh gee whiz maybe there's an opportunity there for uh, making uh that bench look a lot more diverse and equitable and inclusive and how about the folks that you know that say at least on the national level you know, it's the same folks over and over again. It's the same folks, you know, on four or five, six different committees. It's the same folks year after year. You know, where is a space? I, I'm not going to bother to try because there's no space for me. Uh, wow. Uh, tough subject because, of course, anyone who says that, uh, you know, my natural response is to say, well, gee, I don't, I, I disagree. And let me tell you all the reasons why. I mean, obviously it's more of an emotional feeling than maybe it is an actual scientific fact. I mean, is there room on the current slate of uh, officers and, and directors at the, for the ACB board? Uh, you bet. Uh, as you point out, I'm the only one with a challenger at the moment. 
Uh, so is there room? Uh, step on up, friend. Uh, if, if you, you know, is there room? Uh, there will be if the membership votes you in. Uh, so, you know, get involved, do what you need to do. I mean, I get, I get the point. And quite frankly, that dynamic is true uh, in just about everywhere you go. I mean, I, Absolutely. So I, 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 I've, I've moved into this uh, condo of mine about uh, it's coming up on coming up on two years, which is just hard to believe. Uh, but, you know, uh, we just recently had a condo association board, you know, election. Same people cycling through all the time. Is it because these are the people that have far too much time on their hands uh, and that's why they always step up? Uh, is it because they happen to be the most qualified and everyone trusts them to say, well, hey, these people are doing an amazing job. Let's keep getting them involved. Obviously, they want to do it, you know, and all points in between from the, I'm sure, uh, you know, but you see that a lot. The people who tend to be active, stay active. Uh, and some, but so in any case, I think in ACB, for sure, like any other organization, it is hard to sort of penetrate into are you in that crowd of folks who are the active ones you bet but it isn't impossible it's not as hard as perhaps it might feel uh like it is and ultimately you just you know step up and again to emphasize your mentoring point here <coughs> i think you know reaching out directly to folks who are currently in positions and you say hi there uh, you probably don't know me very few people in acb do yet that's one of the reasons why I'm reaching out to you because I'd like to, <laughs> I think I have something to offer. I have, I know I have a lot to learn, but I also want to get to be known and to help me out here. How'd you do it? Uh, let's talk and maybe you can coach me on things I could do to be the next uh, BOP person or the next first vice president of the organization. So, you know, we spoke from a mental health aspect um, sure. a few weeks ago. And, and again, that was one of the most amazing conversations I've had in my career. Forget about Sunday edition itself. Um, but I digress as I'm known to do. From a different perspective, what has the two years that you've had, uh, three years um, with the board and, you know, and the pandemic, what have you learned in the last few years on a professional level and that you'd like to bring to your next board term if you are luckily elected in? Oh, gosh. Uh, so, I, I, you know, everybody has an angle uh, on, you know, because of their life experience or their professional, yeah, the professional opportunities they've had. And I kind of alluded to this in a way, I, I hope in a entertaining way in my little candidates uh, statement, you know, for the candidates page, which kind of the metaphor being, so you want to do a bake sale, right? So first of all, you need people who actually can bake. Um, I, I like to be, I like to play in the kitchen. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I'm never going to make money being a professional chef. I really, I suck at baking. For some reason, I can do other things. Nothing that I try to bake uh, works out. Uh, everything goes flat. I don't know what I do. Um, but so clearly I'm not the baker. Um, there are some people who can set up the tables for the bake sale. They can figure out how to logistically pull it off. My sort of, what I have to offer such as it is, uh, is sort of that bigger picture stuff. Should we do the bake sale at all? Uh, are other groups doing bake sales and should we be partnering with them? Or maybe because that's happening, we, there's some other niche that's best for us. And furthermore, uh, why are we doing this in the first place? What's the whole point of doing this bake sale, doing it now, doing it ever? And let's, as we do that, think through why we're doing what we're doing and then try to make it the best 
make sail on the block, if not the planet. So, you know, that's a long way of saying, what is my little angle? It's to bring that national experience that I've had at the national level, negotiation with other organizations, working on sort of the big picture stuff, all the stuff we talked about a moment ago about framing our, uh, how we talk about issues in a way that is appealing to other stakeholder individuals and groups that we haven't worked with as much as we should have in the past. Uh, you know, if I have gifts to offer ACB, that's it. And so certainly with respect to aging, I hope to be uh, playing that role and bringing those, those perspectives with my colleagues uh, on the board. But I also wanna say this, uh, <coughs> my election to the board or not uh, is not dispositive of whether I'm going to be working on those things. Um, I'm going to be working on them and doing them for ACB, for the blindness community, and frankly, for my conscience, because I believe it to be the case. I'm working on it regardless. And uh, so anyway, uh, that's just a, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very personal commitment to me. If I can live it out uh, serving ACB uh, on the board, so be it. If I can do it in another way, so be it. Our leadership week tends to focus on um, three imperatives. Uh, and, you know, there's reasons for that. There, it's what's being talked about in Congress. And I, there are so many reasons for why we pick the imperatives for, for leadership week itself. But what do you think ACB, you know, if, if you had to, I always, I always try as best as I can to avoid like top five or top three. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you had to name a few top issues that ACB should really be focusing on. What do you think they are? Well, uh, so uh, aging and vision loss for sure. Uh, it'll be up to all of us, but for sure, uh, whoever our senior leaders on the board and our executive director and our director of government affairs, advocates and government affairs and others to set the precise terms of what the asks are because that's their role. Uh, but for sure, I'd love to see uh, us next February coming out very boldly and strongly in support of supporting the aging and vision loss national coalition bill that's emerging. Um, I don't know if I'm making news today or not when I tell you this, but we have pretty much settled on the fact that we are going to name this legislation uh, Teddy Joy's Law. And this is in wow. honor of, of Teddy Joy Remhild, who's longtime ACB member, uh, the folks in AAVL would be the first to tell you there wouldn't be an AAVL without her, um, a, a respected leader, not only in the consumer world, but who also has a professional background uh, in uh, the aging and you know broader disabilities world. She is no longer with us, but she was an impassioned advocate, quite a character. And the, one of the things that is really touching about her uh, uh, story and how she always herself described uh, herself and her experience, and she's it's done in writing, so we know that she said this, uh, is, you know, I don't see myself as either being sighted or blind. Sometimes I don't fit in anywhere, right? And that experience, uh -huh. that, that sort of summary statement, I, I look, she for sure is a champion for blindness. I mean, I, you know, but she's making the point that as uh, someone yeah. with low vision, whatever, you don't necessarily fit in. And honestly, that is right there, the summary challenge we have with most of the, you know, our challenge with reaching out. Anyway, so you asked for top three. For sure, I hope supporting that aging and vision loss bill, which we hope to be calling Teddy Joy's Law. So I'm really proud of that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, for sure, my heart 
always beats a, a little bit faster when I think about kiddos uh, who are blind or visually impaired, love to see whether it's co-sponsorship of Cogswell Macy again, that's another story. But I expect that by next uh, winter or spring, uh, there may be some particulars about uh, the policy objectives there. So pushing for greater uh, spending on specific programs that benefit blind and visually impaired kids. And then uh, you know, a third area, probably something relating to either technology or voting or both. Uh, but you know, it's like as soon as you start to pick, this is why I agree with you. It's really hard to, to choose. And you even see that in the way that we did things this past year. You have your priorities, but then there are a lot of folks who say, yes, well, when I go to Capitol Hill, I've got my <clears throat> the top three things you know, that we're talking about, but we're adding on fourth and fifth and sixth uh, topics that we want to raise. And that's appropriate because every member of Congress, so we, you know, we're talking federal level now, but every member of Congress may be in a different position because of the committees they serve on or where they're from to be of use to us in one area where they might not be in others. So anyway, that's what I got on that. Well, I think I've got the perfect guy to ask this question to. You know, a lot of <laughs> folks are hearing, you know, infrastructure package, infrastructure package, and billions and billions of dollars, et cetera. Mm. So, you know, I know you can't give me, you know, specific figures, 27 million here and so on and so forth, but how much is in there for us? How much of, of what's being proposed would, uh, you know, affect us, hopefully in a positive way? And is there any of it that would affect us in a negative way? Yeah, well, I, you know, so if you had a copy of this tome of, you know, the, the, the most recent, whatever, uh, whatever we believe to be in play, which itself is a moving target, you know, you look at a lot of stuff that on its face, you might say, well, okay, uh, uh, broadband, uh, you know, that's, we're going to expand broadband coverage. Okay, that's wonderful. Uh, how much of that is targeted specifically for folks with disabilities or older folks? Uh, maybe you wouldn't see that written in black and white. Or even if you did, it might have conditions on it that would be unusual or something we haven't thought of before. Honestly, the biggest thing that uh, the blindness system wrestles with, um, and this is a criticism, not so much of ACB, but perhaps our service delivery friends, uh, state or, or private, is you know sometimes we don't uh, look at the world through creative eyes. Um, so you know there may very well be money in there about uh, 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 home home health workers or home you know uh, uh, caregiving or things like that or home health aides. Uh, you know with the right kind of creative structuring of a program at the lighthouse of Oshkosh or wherever. Uh, you may very well be able to tap into funds that are there that may not necessarily say, this is money for blind and visually impaired uh, folk and the service provider agencies who serve them. It's not going to necessarily hit you over the head with that. And some of the more creative private agencies are doing this and reaching out, you know, the, the money is made available at the federal level, and then they work through their state structures and say, I uh, bet you never thought of us as being someone who could compete for this money, but here's our idea. And uh, I wish, I hope we did, we had more, I wish we had more of that kind of creativity and th outside the box, you know, thinking. Uh -huh. And I won't name the non organizations that I think are doing the best job of that, because the moment I do, the ones that I didn't name will be not, won't, won't be happy. Uh, so there you have it. Yeah. So, you know, there's another criticism that goes around. I don't necessarily subscribe to the theory, but there's a lot of folks out there that say, you know, issues like employment. 
we're still at seven eight percent, and and the ADA was um, you know thirty years ago, um, aging and vision loss, which is you know which is your your baby, um, you know with major issues like that, why would we spend you know focus on things like audio description or um, diabetes awareness, you know why is some of that so heavily focused on when we have real concrete issues that we haven't moved on? Well, it's, it's depends on one's perspective, right? If you have a membership association like ACB and or AER, pick whoever, or AERP, uh, those organizations are going to focus on the demands of their members as they should. And in an organization, let's say, like the American Council of the Blind, do we care about kids and care about families and care about teachers? You bet. And in fact, we've got <laughs> affiliates who speak to those issues. Do we <laughs> talk and advocate for those folk as much as we should? I don't think so. But but we we do advocate for them and advocate our little fingers off as we can. Is it in proportion to other topics that are wildly popular, like audio description, maybe not, but that's reflective of the, the membership that we have. Uh, and, and so this is why, you know, Dan and I and others have talked about, gee, uh, as we start to do a better job of reaching out to other communities, whether it be, you know, sort of the next generation uh, side of our membership or this 12.x million population of older folks with vision loss that we and other blindness groups have left largely untapped in terms of you know, recruiting them to be a part of what we do. As, those, as our success with doing that grows, the demands that those uh, folks bring to the table will be that, made that much more loudly. Yeah. And so it, it's, you know, if you, if you, whoever you are say, my issue uh, isn't getting as much attention, not only speak up more loudly and uh, bang your little fist on the table and reach out and negotiate and ask and advocate, but bring in more people, man. Uh, get, get more folks out there, be that outreach person. Hey, you, and even if you say to them, you know, I know you might not think that this is necessarily for you right now, but I can get, guarantee you one thing, if you don't show up, friend, it most definitely isn't gonna be for you. So you got to come and participate. And when that happens, it's a totally gradual, incremental, exceedingly frustrating process for those of us who get impatient. But it's really the only way that we're going we're gonna to change it, I think. And by focusing on, on some of the things that are buzzworthy and are getting major attention, it cross-bleeds or cross-pollinates to other issues. And, and even if it's you know, that's why we have ads on the side of internet pages. You right. know, it, it focuses your eye maybe for three seconds, but it's in your brain. The next time you see it, you're already going to have that piece. And, you know, hopefully, you know, percentage wise, I don't know the numbers. Jennifer would be able to tell us better than that. But, you know, when you statistically, when you see something multiple times, you then are already in, you know, in the knowledge seeking or, you know, arena. And eventually, maybe it's the 17th time you see it, but eventually you're going to click and want to know because it just keeps popping up there. Yeah. 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 Well, and the trick is to how do you capitalize on the issues that an Anthony or a Mark or pick whoever your favorite person is uh, might say privately or at the bar? Good grief. I don't know why we're spending so much time there when we really should be spending much time over here. 
right? The trick is if you're spending time on those issues that one of us may not necessarily put up as far on the priority list as others, hopefully you're doing it because that happens to be, you know, the issue of the day that's getting the media attention, or perhaps that's where the money is. Here is the trick though. You cannot, don't lose your soul in the process of doing that. Yes. By, all, by all means, capitalize on the issues of the day and get your nose in there for sure. But just remember why you're doing it. Don't all of a sudden say, now because that's where the action's at, I go run after the money or I go run after the limelight because that's what I love to do and we need money in principle. No, remember that you're doing it as part of a larger strategy that says we capitalize on this issue because we're trying to get attention for us because of this agenda that's our agenda. Uh, you know, it's one thing that just drives me bananas for some organizations I've worked at where you know, you have, you go through all this work of a strategic plan and you go through all, and you set these goals and then somebody says, okay, well, we need to pay the bills. So now that we've done all that, let's go chasing after grant dollars because we've got to pay the bill. And they go chasing after the grant dollars that have nothing necessarily to do with all the strategic planning work that they've done. Next thing you know, now you have those grants and all of your time is spent fulfilling the responsibilities of those grants and eating up the monies that you had it becomes a very vicious circle. This too is also an art, not a science. I mean, you do have to pay the bills and keep the lights on. It's just, it, all of that kind of stuff needs to be done yeah. intentionally and with the view to that larger picture. Remembering that we are the ones whose agenda we want to drive. We don't want others driving it for us. All right, completely switching gears. Have you presented yourself? For your birthday and if so can you share with us what your birthday present is <laughs> uh let's see uh it, it's i have i have very i got very modest tastes uh, so i'm going off uh with uh, my good friend scotty and we're gonna go have uh some yummy tex-mex food so i think a big plate of sizzling fajitas is in my future it's entirely possible that there may be a margarita uh, or two uh consumed nice. but you know don't don't tell anybody that all right, I'm going to call in uh, executive producer extraordinaire Byron. Uh, let's see what hands we have who may want to wish Mark a happy birthday or <laughs> a quick question. Such a fancy title. Um, <laughs> looks like we do have Kathy with her hand up. So Kathy, feel free to unmute and feel free to speak. Uh, good morning. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Yes, it is afternoon here on the East Coast. And happy birthday, Mark, and yes, uh, many more. Thank you, man. Uh, getting back to what you were talking about uh, initially about seniors and losing yeah. vision, there's one word that needs to pop up, and that is acceptance. Yeah, amen. People need to accept their vision loss before they can receive or you know receive services or want to receive services yep. and that's the big that's the big problem i think that's happening right now um yep. is that you know they don't want to accept the fact that they're losing vision and they can't drive anymore and oh i can't read the newspaper and all that stuff and yep. so what i would like to do and i've brought this up to my I doctor is, is to try to reach out to some of these senior groups um, or even neighborhood associations and speak to them about, you know, we are our own advocate. 
Right. Um, exactly. We, yeah. You know, speak about what we have done, have dealt with, and what they could possibly do also. So that's that's my two cents on the on the subject. <laughs> uh, make make it four cents because I'm throwing my two pennies in with you. Okay. Uh, you can make that six. <laughs> make that six. Oh boy. That's right. Boy, we're getting rich. We'll be the last <laughs> of the big spenders here. Yeah, yeah right. This, this is true. Yeah. This is true. But well, yeah, when, I, when I was in the, uh, the eye doctor's office, it was my eye doctor that encouraged me, sort of, to retire on a disability. Because the one thing that she said was, I have patients out in the waiting room that have more vision than you and are not working. And here you are struggling with what vision you have in working. Yep. And that's how yeah. it was left. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming to Sunday edition, Kathy. I hope you come oh, back again I listen again every soon. week if I can. And uh, I guess awesome. we're having issues with the a lady and getting it set up because i couldn't oh do it so we'll okay. come back next week because we'll be talking about the acb media network and all the new ways that you can access it byron i think we have a few more hands we do have uh two more we have nora nora go ahead and uh speak all nora right. going once all right who else all right oh there she oh. is hi nora Second. Second. oh my phone's ringing <laughs> anyway I want to first of all want to say happy birthday to you, Mark, and I hope you're having a great birthday. And thank you, thank you. Welcome. And my question is, I just thought, I guess I don't have any questions, so I just wanted to say happy birthday. Well, that's very sweet. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, thank you. And we'll go with that last hand. All right. All right. We have a three three zero area code. Hi, this is Stephanie. Um, yeah, uh, about Helen Keller. I've I've been to Helen Keller uh, National Center. It's been a very good place. I got to meet a lot of people who are deaf, and uh, and I got the and people got to teach me sign language and stuff. And um, uh, it's and uh, my birthday present was like a CD, some CDs and stuff. And, wow, very cool. Yeah, you know Beautiful. it's interesting. There are a number of organizations that have have had Helen Keller in their name or certainly associated with her. Uh, uh, you know, the American Foundation for the Blind Helen worked for them uh, for more than four decades of her extraordinary life. Uh, you know, Helen Keller National Center, there's Helen Keller International. I believe they're still uh, in business under that name. If not, they've merged into other, uh, you know, into other, other brands. But, uh, you know, it's just amazing about Helen's uh, resonance today and how people continue to know of her they need to know more about her radicalism and her yes. activism and i know the american foundation for the blind is in the process of putting together a what i hope will be a pretty pretty compelling documentary on the subject and uh, maybe some of us will uh, come back in future uh days and talk a little bit more about that and sort of the, the as as one author has put it the Radical Lives of Helen Keller, which I love not only be, as a title for a book, not only because it points out Helen's sort of very progressive activism, but the idea that Helen lived several lives. We know of her as the deafblind girl at the water pump, and yet she has she lived many other uh, lives in over those many sense. decades. Yeah. 
Yeah. Actually, I'll take you up on that. We'll do a Sunday edition after convention. Um, Love it. And explore deep. All right. I think we are coming up on the hour. So, Mark, I hope you enjoy that Tex-Mex and go for the margarita. <laughs> Take a sip for me. Yes, Thank sir. Thank you so yes, much sir. for coming back to Sunday edition and good luck with the election. Yes, sir. Um, Always a pleasure. Absolutely. I will be back next Sunday with the good folks of ACB Radio, uh, who will now be forever known as ACB Media Network. Thank you for listening to Sunday Edition. As always, you can email me with any questions or comments and uh, have a great Sunday. You've been listening to Sunday Edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebration. AC. That's the word celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. Look forward to hearing from you and let's brunch again next Sunday.